Hey guys, my name is uh, Corey Kareem. I'm an advertising executive. I also run a pretty dope podcast called Three Questions by Corey Kareem, a show that focuses on failure, more specifically how to conquer and deal with failure. You are listening to the Just Conversation podcast. Warning, this program contains strong themes meant for a mature audience. Discretion is advised. Going live in five, four. What does live mean? Uh-huh. Welcome to the Just Conversation Podcast, the show where we ground humanity's most absurd and baffling ideas in childish ways. I'm your host, Jack. And I'm your host, Christina. And if you haven't yet, remember to hit that subscribe button to get notified the second new episodes are released. Also, this show is most enjoyable with a listening partner to share opinions and ideas on topics we discuss. Yes, so be sure to find somebody to sit and listen to this show with, specifically because today we have a guest for you, a fascinating guest for you probably one of the more interesting conversations we've had now as you guys know i don't normally dive into an interview format in fact i have literally the first yeah i've literally never done it but because of the specifics of the guest that we have today Mm-hmm. I decided to change that. And towards the end, you know, half, specifically about the one hour mark, it became a more free-flowing conversation. But I tried to continue steering myself towards questions because this is a person who has crafted a show based on the questions he asks, which are entirely about failure. So the person we have on the show today is Corey Kareem, host of Three Questions by Corey Kareem. And he has crafted this show in which he asks questions of his guests about failure and how they have overcome these failures, how they think about these failures, how these failures has had has led to their successes in life. And as you guys know, I don't let anything slide in the world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So in return for him being so optimistic and wanting to bring out the positive of the negative parts of people's lives, I have opted into creating a series of questions specifically for him and aiming the entirety of this show at looking for the negatives in the positives of his life. That is so complicated. Yeah. Yes. Not easy. Not Not easy for him to do, but not easy. That's not an easy task for anyone, I think. No. Especially when you've built your life around these things you find the positive things Mm -hmm. to then be questioned and have them flipped on their heads and told well how are they bad though how are they bad that's crazy what it's a beautiful way to turn it around the reason i even have this guy on the show is because i really 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 love what he's doing you guys know that we here at the just conversation podcast love perspective Mm-hmm. We're all about looking at things in a million different ways. And of course, we joke around and we get absurd. But what we're doing is playing with the information as we're doing that. We're always working the information in our minds and trying to either ground it or trying to relate it to other information to continuously look at it from different points of views. We might discuss something today and you look back every single time we've brought the same thing up. We've thought well, about the same thing a different way. Yeah, we'll talk about it differently. Something that he said that really sums up our show is, um, what was it? Something about there's always two ways to, two yes. answers. Yeah, no. there's always two ways to look at things. And it's possible that sometimes two things that are right at the same time. Yeah, sometimes 
two things are right at the same something like that. Yeah, Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You'll hear the show and hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. And uh yeah, he was he was the right guest for this sort of thought experiment because it's question based thought experiments that were posed throughout the entirety of the show. Entirely based on his answer, but as you guys know, I'm gonna pick apart any word that comes out of a guest's mouth and see yeah. how they think about it from a different angle. The fun part about this is that this man's entire purpose is perspective. Mm-hmm. Corey uses perspective to navigate his life and to bounce ideas off of his guests. So I used perspective to bounce those same ideas off of him onto me, back off of me onto him. Ridiculous. Ridiculous circle. Or yes. Whatever you so that he has <laughs> to think twice literally yes about what he said not in the moment to like be like oh well before i say it no you're gonna give me your answer and now you have to tell me the opposite and why it's true mm-hmm. thus perspective he was a fascinating guest he was a great sport a very intelligent man with a great show again check it out it is called three questions by Corey kareem fascinating show check it out very intellectual individual he brings on great guests i actually had to listen to a couple of episodes twice because some of the finer details of what people say in this show the pers it's per- man is perspective really yeah it really gets you thinking <laughs> and like i love to think and i often seek these things out but it's rare the case that a random circumstance triggers it without me looking for it mm-hmm. and this show triggers it like you know i play with information all day there are few angles i don't look at things from and to have him ask a question the guests respond and then the follow-up question to be based on the response but just the wording shifted so slightly that changes the entire context and you're like oh my god wait hold up how did you get there yeah that's fast it's fascinating this man is a optimist and a intellectual in all the rights on top of being a creative. So I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Corey Kareem of yes. Three Questions by Corey Kareem. And uh, see you on the other side. And see you. Enjoy. Hi. Hi. Yeah, yeah. So the show uh, Three Questions by Corey Kareem is a podcast that that essentially you can find on any major podcast platform. But yeah, the, the whole premise of our show is to focus rather than focusing on success, which I mean, obviously, if you talk about how to help someone reduce their failure, you're helping them to optimize towards success. But uh, basically, how I felt is two things. So one, I felt there's so much content out there about success. You know, you heard uh, there's 10 key things successful people do in the morning, 10 key things successful people do at, in the evening. So all this content out there on success, 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 I didn't feel there, there was enough content on how to deal with failure. And failure is something that everyone deals with, whether that's from a career or a business or a job perspective, or that's from a family or a personal life or health perspective. And I feel like it's something that we all deal with. And how cool would it be if someone designated a half hour on sharing different perspectives on how successful people from all walks of life deal with failure? Um, so that's the the whole the premise behind our podcast. Um, I try to have 
as many different kinds of individuals come on and, and speak on the platform from various walks of life. So whether they be in the marketing arena, the entrepreneurship arena, whether they're a single mom or whatever the, their situation is, I have them come up and, and share their story. And we, we focus on the failure and the lessons that they learned from those experiences. That's fascinating. Okay. First, I personal experience, definitely you always get more information out of the failure, right? Because when mm -hmm. you succeed, you well, you made it. Like you could try to analyze mm -hmm. what steps got you there, but to replicate that and tell somebody would be impossible because everybody makes their own path, which is mm -hmm. a pretty interesting thing because the path you take to success is always unique, but the failures we encounter on the path of success tend to be the same. Mm -hmm. So that is fascinating because you've landed on some questions that I find very interesting. Now, you explain to me the concept of having three questions that could then get to the bottom of the reason that they have right so uh, yeah that's a that's a good that's a good question to ask and so for me uh coming i mentioned that so my day job is uh, i'm an advertising advertising executive so i, I work for a pretty well-known company in the podcast audio space and and for me when i deal with campaign briefs rfps as we call them internally there's always um, there's a KPI on engagement. And so for me, when I make content as a content creator, I try to keep it to a very narrow focus. So I try to keep my podcast at 35 minutes tops. Sometimes I do break that that parameter, but because I think of that person commuting on a train or commuting in their car. And so I like to keep that to a very concise time limit, which I've identified as 30, 35 minutes, sometimes less than that. And I find with three questions and, and, and notably so you probably noticed it, that it's three questions that are three themes would probably be more accurate because I usually have follow up questions under yes. those three themes as we dig down and, and get a little deeper into that person's experience. Okay. Now, I was... <laughs> You don't understand how deep down the rabbit hole I fell. It was kind of amazing because the feedback you get from these people is – there's no two stories are the same. Even mm -hmm. if uh, you ask literally the same question to two different people, their response to it is so drastically different that there would be no predicting what somebody would say or what they consider a failure or what they consider a hardship. Mm -hmm. Two people who are literally in the same situation would have right. different answers. What do you think is the reason behind the sort of unique perspective for similar circumstances that other people go through since you've discussed it with so many people? That's that's a great question. And I think it all comes down to a few factors. Uh, one would be interpretation. And even if you you go a step back, I think it has a lot to do with like life experience. And within that, if you peel that back, it's what that person was taught throughout their life. So, for example, if someone had a pretty rough upbringing, whether they grew up in a single parent household, uh, they grew up below the poverty line, they experienced a lot of violence and had to experience a lot of hardship before the ages of 18 to 21, chances are they're going to have a little bit more tougher skin. So if they were to experience adversity in their late 20s, early 30s, they might not perceive it as such a big deal. Now, you take somebody that grew up in a more nuclear family household and didn't have as much adversity, uh, was more or less sheltered and protected and lived in kind of a bubble, if you will. If they experience adversity, chances are they might be thrown off guard because they're not used to that. So a lot of life is 
rinse and repeat. Repetition is the mother of all skills. So the reason why you'll get uh, different responses has a lot to do with what that person has been through because our experiences shape our perception of the world, right? Hence why you have that saying, perception is reality. Like for here's another kind of off example. You, you take a woman that uh, has dated a lot and let's just say her last 10 boyfriends have cheated on her. Her perception of relationships most likely is going to be very negative, or at least it's not going to be uh, talked about in a positive manner versus someone that's had, you know, her last five relationships were very successful, although they didn't work out. She has nothing but good things to say about her exes. Her perspective on relationships is going to be a lot different in most cases than that other person, even though they both dated, they could be of the same age, they could be both women, they could be of the same race, ethnicity, culture, whatever. Their experiences shape their per- perception, which is how, uh, which could answer your question about why they would view uh, or answer the same question, but differently. What is your obsession with perspective? Mm, that is one of my favorite words. I like how you do your research. Um, for me, I, I find to your point, to your question, I find it so fascinating that, you know, and I'm, I'm going to be ripping you off here a little bit, that two people can look at the same problem and view it completely different. So in, in sales, they have this they have this adage and it goes like this. Uh, a company sends two salesmen uh, to the continent of Africa to go sell shoes. The first salesman gets there. He gets to this village and he's like, nobody wears any shoes. I can't sell shoes here. There's no market that people aren't even wearing shoes. Calls the company. I'm, I'm ready to come home. The other sales guy gets there and he's like, nobody wears any shoes. It's a wide open market. <laughs> I'm going to kill it here. I'm going to be first to market. So that's an example. So for me, the fascination is like at any moment, you can change the way you look at a situation. If one person can look at it this way, and let's say that person is looking at it in a very positive perspective, and I'm looking at it in a negative, that says to me that, hey, if I shift my perspective, there's a possibility that I can see it differently. And that to me is the is, is the fascination that there is no one way of looking something. There are multiple ways in most cases uh, that you can look at a particular situation. That is incredibly fascinating, incredibly genius. You... You're not even using your own perspective, but fishing for an infinite amount of varied perspectives to continuously alter yourself. So then I have a question with two branching roads to it. Mm -hmm. Give me a perspective that you have had that's positive, that was negative for a very long time, and give me a perspective that you know remains negative and you've not yet found the positive alternative. Mm, That's a very good one. Very thought-provoking. Um, okay. Here's one I could think of that was negative and now I view it positively. I would see person A and this person I thought was, for lack of better terms, not as talented as I was, not as, uh, didn't have the skill set that I have, but yet from an economic standpoint, they're doing better than me. So originally I would I would beat myself up about that, or I would feel some type of way about that. Not necessarily at that person, but get it, at, but turn that negative energy towards me. Like, why am I not here yet? Why am I behind? How's this person doing better than me? Now, if I saw that person, I would say they're doing better 
than me right now, not they're better than me. There's a slight distinction in language there, right? So one takes the onus like off that. of you personally and you you frame it to a situation in time because as you know, in the company that I work for, we have a saying, uh, change is the only constant. And I have a friend that also works in production and media. And she says, you're always, always stay humble because you never know who is going to be in what role on the next project. You can be an executive producer on one project and maybe a production manager on the next project. So that person that was once reporting to you could be someone you're reporting to in the next project around. So that's that's the answer to the first part. Now, something that I'm still working on. Hmm, that's good. That's a good one. I'm, I feel like I'm working on on many things right now. Um, I don't know if this would entirely answer your question, but one of the things that I am working on is trying to stay away from um, assuming with my preconceived notions and rather asking with questions. So let me try to explain that. So instead of saying, you know, I saw you do this and that, and I think this is what it means, I'll just ask you rather than try to tell you. And I'm trying to get into the habit of asking people questions so and versus assuming what it means. Uh, hopefully that answers your question, but I, I know it can be a little bit complicated. It does, it does. This uh, brings up something interesting. It just reminded me of the Myers-Briggs typology system in which there's sensing mm-hmm. and intuition, and that's uh, using sensing information is uh, one tool of thought, but so is intuition. So you're essentially trying to trade off your intuition for a more sensory kind of input so you can get the feedback mm-hmm. that's more factual. But mm-hmm. aren't you afraid that if you exercise this muscle and try to evade the other – you lose out on your intuition that then allows you to navigate your own ventures in life more effectively? Yeah. You know what? You, you pose a good question. And that's something I actually ask my guests not the same way, but the trade-off between using your intuition and, and using logic and the way that I've come to understand, and I think I've found like a, a happy kind of solution is whatever you, here's a, here's a way to describe it. Whatever that thing that keeps you up at night, the thing that you dream about, the thing that makes you toss and turn, the thing that gives you that butterfly feeling in your gut, the thing that you daydream about, whatever that is, that is what you need to pay attention to. And then you can use data and information, your logic to support and how you can get there. So that is the way that I feel that you can kind of strike a happy balance because I'll be honest with you. I've been, uh, the reason why I focus on failure is because I've failed a lot in life which is why I feel like I have so much information to share about it. And I don't want other people to necessarily fail as much as I do. I think failure is necessary, but you can definitely limit the amount of failure that you go through. And so one of the things that I failed at early on in life is at some point in my mid to late 20s, I stopped paying close attention to my intuition and I started just focusing on the data, on the information. I ignored that gut feeling because I was like, oh, I went with the gut feeling before and it didn't work out. So now it's like, if it doesn't add up all the way, it doesn't make all the way sense on a piece of paper, I wouldn't do it. And you can't, I believe you can't go around life operating purely in the black and white. I, I, I don't believe you can do that. I feel like you're going to, you're going to miss out on some great opportunities. 100%. And another thing I've now, now that I'm really thinking this through with your question 
one thing that I've come to learn recently is learning to see challenges as opportunities. Yes. So, you know, when we grow up, uh, you know, our parents, you know, don't go there. It's dangerous. You, you grow up with this conditioning that what is difficult, you should avoid stay away from, look for the low hanging fruit is something that you'll obviously hear a lot in our society. But the challenge is where the opportunity is. If you look at what a business is, a business is a solution to someone's problem. So you want to go where the problems are because that's how you can be successful. So that's one of the things that I've I've trained my mind in the last year or so is to look at a challenge as an opportunity. Where's the opportunity within this challenge? Hundred percent. You're basically talking about the light bulb. Uh, Edison had a couple of uh, ideas about his light bulb. Primarily that mm. there's no such thing as failure. I didn't fail at making a light bulb a thousand times. I learned a thousand ways to not make a light bulb, as right. well as the fact that the light bulb is here to fill the gap of light. So people needed light, and mm -hmm. a candle is gonna waste by the end of the night if mm -hmm. you can just turn the light on then you have your problem solved for a longer period of time. So you're just basically looking for vacancies, uh, things right. that can use innovation and then squeezing yourself into that spot. But now allow me to bounce uh, sort of your own ideas back off of you and ask what you mm. consider to be your greatest failure. Mm, my greatest failure. That is a good one. I don't think I've ever actually asked myself that. That is really good. Yeah, and you ask everybody else. <laughs> no, right? I, I feel hypocritical right now. Um, I'll say this. I think one of my greatest failures was not following what I was organically, naturally great at in my in my early 20s because the dollars and cents didn't make sense. So to be very clear... I was naturally gifted at at radio um, in my early days. And I did get an opportunity when I went to school in New York to work at a, for lack of better words, a very low-run radio station in, in, in Long Island. Um, the job only paid $12.50 an hour or 14 bucks an hour, something small. And I had $57,000 in debt. So to me... That just didn't make sense because I was going to have to travel an hour each way and I was going to eat up my budget. Plus, I had rent to pay. And then in six months, student loans was going to be knocking at my door. So instead of figuring out, hey, maybe I can find a way to supplement income in different areas, I automatically turned that down. And, and that could have been a great path for me. And another one I can think of, I have two actually. Another one is... Um, when you're in that college university bubble, you're at your most optimistic, I like to think. The world is your oyster. And I remember being away at a conference in a hotel in Virginia. And I had months prior to that, I had met a gentleman uh, who was from my school and we connected and he worked at CNN in New York. And he had taken my information. We had chatted a couple of times. And then several months later, I got a call from CNN in Atlanta about a position that had nothing to do with what I was interested in in some other department. I just remember being like this role position had nothing to do with what I wanted to do. And I turned it down. I was like, I didn't have that long-term thinking being like, I could have just got myself in the door at CNN, navigated the career path there and, and figured it out. And I, and I regret that. That was a, a silly decision for me to make. And I, I, another reason why I didn't make that decision to go yes 
is because they wanted me to move outside of New York City. And at that time, I was hell bent on not moving uh, outside of New York. What changed your mindset between then and now? Why are you now so willing to do these things and hop in and follow your dreams more actively than you were before that you were just worried about certain things? Because nobody is, even billionaires have some form of debt. There's no way you escaped all of life's struggles and then that's mm-hmm. the reason you do it. So what's the difference between now and then where you're still going through the human experience except now you're chasing those opportunities? Um, I'll put it like this. I often like to refer to other people's examples to illustrate how I feel. Um, so I once heard Jim Carrey uh, talk about how he, why he does what he does and how he got there. So Jim Carrey tells a story about his father, um, who had a huge passion as a, a saxophone player. And he, his dad was pretty talented at the saxophone. Um, but his dad, being a father of three kids and, and married, had an opportunity to move to the States to play with this jazz band. But he didn't want to uproot his family from Canada and moved out to the States because it was a lot of risk. So his dad ended up becoming an accountant. And his dad hated it. And then years later, his dad got fired from that job as an accountant. And in that moment, Jim Carrey realized that you can also fail at something you don't love to do. So in 2020, during the, the, the height of the pandemic, like a lot of people, I had more time. And me, I had more time to, to reflect. And I just started asking myself this question. And I was like, you know, if what if I, I went to the doctors and they told me, you know, I only have six months to live, what would I stop doing? What would I start doing? And what would I do differently? And when I answered those three questions, I was like, well, number one is I need to start paying attention to what I'm naturally gifted in. And I need to start mastering that craft. And I then got really deep and I started to understand what is my purpose? Why am I here on this planet? And it got really clear to me after a year and a bit of meditation and visualization and, and really focusing on what that is. And then I identified my purpose here on this planet is to use my words and my creativity to inspire others into action. Now, that's very open ended because that action can be anything. But to use my words and my creativity and how I discovered what that purpose is, life will leave you clues when you're having conversations with people and say, like, Corey, you have a thing with words. Oh, you're, you know, what you said really you know, I'm still thinking about it. It resonated with me. That was my clue. And I was like, I need to start using this. This is the, this is one of the gifts that I was given. And I need to start finding a way to master it, uh, master to master it and to, to, and to share it with others. Define what purpose means to you. Mm, great question. Purpose means to me what you were born here to do. And to get a little bit deeper than that, it means something... I think I was describing this earlier, whatever pulls at you. And when I say pull, I mean that that feeling you can get in your gut, uh, whatever you obsess about, I feel that that's tied to your purpose. Now, it might not be that thing, but that thing could lead you to what your purpose is. So whether it's a specific craft, uh, whether it is a, a talent of some sort, it is a gift that you need to share with the world. I like to tell my close friends, your purpose, which I would, I would say is a gift, is not for you. It's for other people out there in the world. So for you not living your purpose, you are doing the world a disservice. And I have this kind of long stretched out theory to, to say that part of the reason why I believe this world is a crappy place is because I believe many people are not living their purpose. 
And because of that, they're just kind of aimlessly walking through life or just kind of doing just enough just to get by, but they're not actually living their purpose. I believe as a man, your most important thing in life, and some people will argue with me, and that's fine. Matter of perspective, your most important thing in life is to figure out what your purpose is. And then once you figure it out, figure out how to master it and how you can make money off of it and move on from that. Fascinating, fascinating. I will argue your point. <laughs> I'm specifically about to argue your point. So I do believe, you know, uh, chase your purpose. That matters. I disagree in that this is a crappy place. And I have one reason to back that up. And it's like, do you think somebody could have talked you into chasing your dreams at the age that you were rejecting it when you weren't ready for it or were you where you needed to be in life so that later in life you could find you were basically where you had to be for that moment. And now you where you are for this moment. Therefore, that was just a necessary step. And even if it looks like people aren't living their current purpose, that's just a necessary step there in the same way you were that led you to where you are now that allows you to make those choices. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, look, I'll, I'll say this. There's, there's one thing I've learned this year in 2021. Uh, more than two things can be true. And I'll stand by that. I dig it. Right. So what you're saying is absolutely correct. What I'm saying is it didn't have to take me this long. Um, is the, the act of being deliberate, right? So me and my friend had this conversation about the value of having a mentor in your life, right? So, um, it is quite possible that if I had someone in my life that was very deliberate at showing me and recognizing me these things, I could, I could have righted my ship a lot sooner. That is quite possible. And it's, it's most likely probable. It's probably similar to the stats they have about Kids who are raised in a two-parent household versus kids that are raised in a single-parent household. There's there's some correlation. I'm not going to get into the weeds of that because I obviously don't have the data, but I'm I'm in I'm inferring here that there you are right, but I also think that the curve could have been shortened had there been some kind of deliberate focus much earlier on in life. If I had that coach of some sort that said, "Hey, Corey, no." Other people, they could do that, but you need to stick with this. I'm going to introduce you to this person who's, you know, in this profession, and I want you to go under his wing and focus. That could have, that could have changed the trajectory of my life tenfold, 1000%. And what I've come to learn in life is that I see life as this, like, um, I was, I was telling someone the other day, um, in the airport when you have the, uh, the baggage claim and you see your bags go around. I feel like we all get this window of opportunity. It's not just one, but it, it comes around just like how your bag comes around once in a cycle. And if you're not aware, you can miss those opportunities. And it doesn't mean that your life is over. It just means that there was an opportunity you missed where you can change your life in a big way. And I think if you don't have that awareness, then you can miss that. And then you can end up living, for lack of better words, a miserable life. And it's not that there weren't any opportunities available to you. It's just that you couldn't see them, right? You didn't have the awareness play. You didn't have the lenses on or however you want to frame that. And I think if you have the right people in place, if, if I would say if there was one thing that separates successful people and that you can use the term successful in a lot of different ways, if there's one factor that I can mention, and I think there's many, just to be clear, is the ability to recognize opportunities the ability to recognize opportunities. And I think there's a lot of us that don't have that ability or haven't formed that ability to the level that we need to, to recognize those opportunities where we can maximize our potential. 
if you could have a conversation with the younger version of you who was turning down these opportunities, would they say they were having a miserable life or where you have or are you aware you were having a miserable life in hindsight looking and comparing your current state now? It depends on what version you're how you're, you're talking about. So if you're talking about college, Corey, it's time of my life. I was exactly where I wanted to be. If you're talking about Corey in his late 20s, I was borderline depressed. I was down in the dumps. I was living below my expectations. Um, also confused about what direction to go, asking questions like, how did I end up here if I did this, 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 and that? Why am I going through this right now? So I think it largely depends on uh, what era of Corey Kareem you're going to ask that question because the Corey Kareem from 18 to 22 was right here in terms of where I should be. But the Corey Kareem from, let's say, 26, between 26 and 30 was not a happy guy, but was doing what he needed to do to get by. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I like that answer a lot. Does current day you respect the hustle of depressed Corey? from late 20s that he was still sticking to it and still making his way or is the lack of somebody having either given mentorship or the lack of the perspective at the time to know like i could just do this that does bring me joy does that make you lose a little respect for that version of Corey, even if he was still running his hustle like where do you stand on looking back at your late 20s depressed version of Corey? yeah um great question no, I have the utmost respect for that guy because the thoughts that were going through my head at that time weren't so positive. And so, um, if anything, what I learned from that specific moment is, you know, uh, you know, the saying, you never know how tough are, no, how tough you are, what you're made of until you're in the moment. Um, I learned just how mentally tough I was in that moment. And, um, I think those experiences have allowed me to have some very, deep conversations with people about being in the mud, in the, in the gutter, in the trenches of things. So I definitely respect the persistence of Corey uh, from that era. That's one thing that I learned is that I have a lot of grit and I have a lot of persistence. So I don't, I don't say that I regret that those times if, if that's where you're going with that, because regret is not something I have when it comes to that era of my life. But if you were to say, Given a choice, would you want to take this path or this path? And there was that option available to me, and I knew what both paths would include, then I'd probably take the path that would have me go on a better trajectory than the one that I had before, because I believe that there were some things missed. And that's, I don't blame anybody for that. You know, that's on me. But everything, as they say, it does happen for a reason. So I guess in my case, there was a reason why I went through that. And that's part of the reason why I'm on your platform. Okay. Do you, how do I phrase this question? If you could take one of those alternating paths, but they wouldn't lead you to where you are now, they would take you somewhere good. But you wouldn't be the you that you are now. So we're talking uh, 28, 29, whatever deviating path took you to this current line in life takes you to some other line in life. And it's going to be great. You could see the map. You could see it's going to be fantastic. But it's not going to be who you are at this moment. Would you mm -hmm. still take the path? That's a great question. I also have a – I wouldn't say I have a 
I have an uncomfortable feeling about the unknown. I don't fear it, but it is uncomfortable. So what you're asking me is, would I take this path? I wouldn't be who I am today, but it would be different. And I don't know what different is. Now, would it be better than what I am today? Equal, but different. Equal, but different. That's a great question. And to to be honest with you, um, because I don't know anything more than what you're sharing, I don't know. I know that answer is not satisfying to you. I just don't know if if you're saying I'm going to be equal but different. I need to know how different I'm going to be, and that's just me. Different enough to not be who you are now. Okay, um, that still doesn't help me much. That doesn't. Right? <laughs> okay. It's all right to not know. The fact that you say yeah. that at all versus somebody who would just try to manifest an answer. The, the honesty you come with is highly appreciated because I've had people when a question like that that's quite complicated, you're like looking at a, a reality that doesn't currently exist and then trying to yeah. kind of phrase words around something that doesn't happen. So I, I appreciate the, the honesty of the I don't know. Now, following that train of thought, you do have talents, as you're saying, and there mm-hmm. are roads that you didn't know you could have taken. Now... Everybody has the thing you would do if you weren't doing this. And if this somehow collapsed or you lost interest, that would be the other thing. What is the other thing? What is your parallel line? Mm, what is my parallel line? What would, I, what, what would I be doing differently? Or what else would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? Yes, That's what yes, yes, yes. Okay. I think um, what I would be doing, um, perhaps being a firefighter, I I know that sounds completely different from what I do now, which it is, but that was originally my backup plan when I was in college is like, yo, this advertising thing doesn't work out. I'm just going to become a firefighter. Where that fascination comes from, I don't really know, don't really have the answer to that, but I just find it to be a a very formidable profession. Uh, Plus, you know, they attract a lot of nice looking women and they could possibly end up on a calendar of some sort. Um, but I think I, I, I would have been a fi- firefighter is another one. Or you know what? Now that I'm thinking this through, because you're asking me this question in real time, I also feel like a part of me could have been a teacher of some sort, um, maybe a collegiate professor in, in some in some field of some sort. But uh, yeah, that's what I would say would be my answer. I love how sort of unintentionally you circled back to what I believe happens on your show because on your mm-hmm. show, two things happen. I'm not sure whether intentionally like it's designed mm-hmm. or it's just by mere chance of your own curiosity, but I believe you are teaching two groups of people lessons from your show, the listener. Mm-hmm. And by asking and having the guest answer the question, you're having them reflect and learn as they're answering the question in real time from their own experiences. So they're gaining perspective and saying it out loud, and that perspective is being offered to the listener. And that's just – I find that completely fascinating that you sort of accidentally circled back. But I, that's, that's my interpretation of what I hear from your show. It's a giant lesson on understanding sort of the human experience and the failures that come with it. No, and that's a great valid – perspective. There we go with that word again. Um, and I never actually thought of it that way that both the guest and the listeners are both learning when they're being asked these questions because some of the questions I ask are thought provoking and I am asking my guests to really think deeply about what they would tell them their, their 18 year old selves and, um, you know, what was their, you know, biggest failure and what would they learn from that failure? So I am asking them to go through kind of a, 
mental gymnastic exercise about their life experiences and, and show and for sure that that definitely uh, allows them to benefit from it as well well when i was listening to your show um the the most consistent pattern is how often even like i'm sure many of these guests do their research ahead of time so they kind of know what they're getting into but they do get stumped a lot where they have to like take a moment back and like well mm. i guess i didn't expect my thought process in the moment to change the answer or how so i don't know what's happening in their heads but i was so fascinated by the fact that that was happening that i decided that i would create my own series of questions specifically uh, designated for you and right. instead of three questions i have five questions nice let's go for it now the first question i have for you you have to answer it without mention of your show but it is basically about your show and it's a very simple question okay what do you do i can i answer as in i'm a conversationalist or i have conversations i have conversations about failure with successful individuals elaborate i have conversations with successful individuals about failure but more specifically and how they deal and conquer failure to help others minimize their experience with failure or perhaps to learn that they're not failing at all. Interesting. I love that last tidbit. Perhaps learned they're not failing at all, which then brings us back to Edison that did not believe in failure, but rather the collection of knowledge and wisdom that then allows the success to finally manifest through different trials. You are quite obsessed with perspective and I I love that so specifically because we live in a society where people lack perspective. We have a very black and white view of everything. We sort of lock ourselves in an echo chamber of our own thoughts, surrounding ourselves with people who already have Absolutely. the same thoughts and reinforce our biases. And we're just thought racists. <laughs> I've never heard that term. You mind if I steal that? Hey, take like it. That. Roll with it. <laughs> Roll with it. So... Mm. Which is, there's no way I could go through all your episodes so quickly, but you, yeah. which guest of yours gave an answer that affected your perspective the most? Mm, that's a good one. Uh, off the top, I would have to say Bailey Parnell. Um, she runs a, a company called, uh, I think it's a soft skills company, and the name of it escapes me right now. Uh, but Bailey Parnell is from Ryerson University and she kind of grew up in the education space at Ryerson and, and got into social media and marketing and things of that nature. And so she really studies this stuff at a high level. And she broke down the difference between an optimist and a pessimist. And basically what she said, there are three things. An optimist will look at the same situation as a pessimist. But they'll look at that situation as temporary. They will look at this situation as not being pervasive, as in it's an isolated event in one area of their event. And they'll look at it as bad luck, as not as a result of their soul doing. They'll take some accountability, but there are other factors that will contribute to this, where a pessimist will look at this and say that, you know, uh, it's permissive. This is, oh, I failed here. This means the rest of my life is a failure. Um, they'll also, uh, they'll also internalize this and say, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm bad. I, this always happens to me. 
And so that conversation with her really helped me to have clear, um, for lack of better words, a clear understanding about what it is that is different in the perspective with an optimist versus a pessimist, what exactly it is that causes them to look at experience two different experience, the same situation, but have a completely different outlook on it. And, and I would say that would be the episode. What is the time that you've personally come across a pessimist that you knew their pessimistic perspective on something was wrong that you wish you could have helped and never managed to do so? Mm. <laughs> this is actually something I'm dealing with in real time. So it's not even a past event. Um, so I have a family member who is um, overweight and uh, her health is deteriorating. And I feel like um, I should have stepped in a long time ago, but because I am the nephew, I always, you know, I straddle the line of respect. You're my elder, but at the same time I'm grown. And so I have a valid perspective and I think it comes from a loving and, and, and helpful standpoint. So, um, that is a current situation where I feel, um, they have a very, um, limited perspective on their health situation and with the right encouragement, with the right plan, with the right support, I truly believe that they could change their situation. But I think that conversation needs to be had. And I just haven't had that conversation. With them yet. Interesting. So this is like an act of life problem at the moment. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to go back. <laughs> oh. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Question number two. All those are just follow ups to the first question. So question number two, why do you do what you do? Mm -hmm. I feel it's a, uh... I feel it's a part of my purpose. When you ask me the question, what purpose means to, to you? Um, I go back to the, the answer where I said, you know, when I was in my 20s, um, I had a strong calling towards radio and having conversations like this. But I let the money. People told me, hey, there's no money in radio unless you're in the AM, unless you're on a morning show. And good luck getting into a top market. Do you want to go be a radio personality in middle of nowhere America? You know, are you willing to do that? Um, so why do I do what I do? I believe that my gift is having these type of conversations with people like yourself and, and listeners being able to take tidbits, nuggets, gems from it to better themselves. When I get messages and DMs saying, man, the conversation you had with so-and-so, I needed to hear that. Because what I find is that most people actually don't need to hear something new, like new information. They just need to hear that other people are going through it, you know, and, and, and not to get like kind of spiritual here, but I believe like we're all here to kind of learn from each other. And so I feel like this is one of my reasons here on this planet is to teach people or to help them understand that what they're going through, they're not alone. One, two, there's a different way to look at what they're going through. And three, this is what can happen if you can follow the steps that this particular individual has shared so that there's there's more than one way to deal with something. Because I find in life, um, many of us were taught um, that there, this is the way. And when we try it, it hasn't worked out. We get stumped. We beat ourselves up. We're like, oh, my life is this and this and that. Not knowing that there's many ways to do that. But because our perspective is limited, 
we feel like we're stuck. And so when I have these people come up on here and share their various perspectives, they're like, oh, oh I, I never thought of it that way. Oh, okay. Let me move on. So I do what I do because I feel it's my purpose. How did you discover this was your purpose? What was the mm. moment that lit the light bulb that you're like, this is obviously the thing? Yeah, um, great question. And so I mentioned during the, the height of the pandemic, I had more time to reflect. And um, there are many things happening um, that I won't necessarily get into right now. But it, it, life has a, a very interesting way into putting you into a corner, so to speak. And like I said, I asked myself those three questions. I had six months to live. What would I start doing? What would I stop doing? And what would I do differently? Well, I answered the first question. What would I start doing? Well, all my life, people are telling me I have a way with words. Um, when I was in college, people are like, man, this radio thing, you could really take this to the next level if you really focused on this craft. So I said, well, podcasting is really a thing now. You don't need much computer, microphone, a few lights, laptop. You can get up and running. So I said, I'm really good at having thought uh, thought provoking conversations um, with people. And I feel like I've felt so much in life that I have a lot to share on this particular topic, but I don't want it to come from me. And I like the fact that other people are going through this. So why not have a conversation or why not have a podcast on failure? Now, have you ever had somebody on your show that was under the impression that there was no failure in any of their successes? Or have you in your life encountered somebody who is successful and doesn't believe they've encountered failure to get there? Yeah, um, you do have people that use the cliche statement, you know, it's not a failure, it's, it's, it's a lesson, which there is truth to that. Um, for the most part, the people that say, hey, I've, um, I've never failed, they don't really get on my show. Because um, for me, a common ingredient to have a a successful interview in my eyes is uh, someone that's willing to be vulnerable. Uh, I have a saying, vulnerability is currency on my platform. Um, and you, if you, if you listen to enough of my podcasts and my interviews, I say this common line. I say, Hey, if you ever want to impress people, you know, I'll talk about the things you have, the things you gain, the things you've won. But if you ever want to have an impact on somebody's life, talk about your failures the things that you've lost, the things that you've gone through, the hardships, those are the learning lessons that people really gravitate to. Now, if I look at my most successful podcast, they're all talking about very difficult topics. I had one that was talking about marriage and divorce. That by far was my most um, successful uh, podcast in terms of downloads. And the other one was talking about two, two women who came from East Africa and had to kind of start their life over as single mothers and, and navigating a country that was foreign to them at the time and dating outside their culture and in the trials and tribulations they face both within their community and outside the community from doing that. So people have this kind of um, uh, appetite to understand how people deal with struggle because struggle is something that we all deal with on some level or another. Okay. Let's move on to question number three. What's your most discouraging moment that you've ever experienced in the path to be who you are right now? Ooh, most discouraging moment. Hmm, discouraging. I'm stuck on that word. Discouraging. What was very discouraging to me? Hmm. I don't know if I can think of the most, but I'll, I'll give you one that was um, discouraging uh, to me. Um, 
I was at Rogers Media. And are you located in Canada, by the way, or where are you located? No, no, no. We're in Jersey, U.S. Okay. Okay. You're in New Jersey. So Rogers Media is a company that's like the AT&T of Canada, just to give you some context and perspective. Uh, I had been up with this company at the time for about, mm, I'd say close to six years. And um, I had applied internally for what would be like a promotion, got passed up with somebody who has more experience. I applied again about a month and a half later and got passed up again to someone who has more experience. So that was a, a discouraging moment for me. And it led me to leaving the company. But that is probably the most recent time I can think of where I was um, discouraged in my life. But it didn't. It, it didn't. It didn't really lock me down. And this is why I was having trouble thinking about that moment because I've already done so much work on myself at that time that that feeling of being discouraged didn't last too long. I was like, I'm over it. Time to move on. What's the game plan? So that's my answer. To you me. are very good at picking yourself up. I respect that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now, let me reword that and replace the word discouraging with what's the biggest failure you've experienced? (laughs) Using my own questions against me. I love it. The biggest failure, biggest failure I've ever experienced. Um, I am going to say my biggest failure I'm going to say is uh, in 2016, I tried to launch a mobile app, a music marketing app called Songbite, and I bootstrapped and invested about $15,000 of my own money, um, spent a couple of years, and then Instagram came out with a few updates and a few features that basically made the app I was working on for two years obsolete. Um, that would probably be it, if I'm, I'm thinking. Yeah, that would probably be it. Why do you consider it a failure? Mm. Never hit my key benchmarks, but there were many lessons learned in that. And that's why I was struggling to even think of that one as a failure, to be honest with you, because it did develop, it did develop a lot of skills. I did learn a lot of skills along the way. I did meet a lot of people along the way and I did learn a lot along the way, which is why I was kind of, you know, searching for that. But, um, basically I had big ambitions of it being a highly successful app that was downloaded by millions of people around the world. I wanted to be that guy. Um, um, and, and, and that would be part of the reason why I saw it as a failure. Now, one could also say that if my benchmarks were different, and I actually do talk about this, I'm actually writing an article on failure right now. And one of the steps that I've come to learn is define your own definition of success. And so one could argue that maybe my definition of success at that time was not my own, right? Where was that influence? What did that influence come from? Who defined that, right? And the other part of that is to let go of the how, meaning letting go of how it's supposed to happen. So I'll give you a perfect example of what I mean by that. So when I left the company I just mentioned, I went to a startup, uh, a fintech company to do ad sales, advertising. That didn't work out the way I wanted to. I ended up at a media intelligence company in the PR space. Did not want to go there at all, but it was the height of the pandemic. Um, and so I took the job, even though I did not like it. Now, let me take two steps back. Before I left the company that I was well-liked and well-revered, I asked myself, if I leave, 
what if it doesn't work out? Now I'm in this position where I wasn't working out. But when I left, my goal of leaving the company was to come back into a senior position as an ad advertising executive. I'm sitting here today telling you I'm now in that position, but it didn't happen the way that I planned it to be, but it ended up working out anyways. So part of the rule that I, I try to share in this article is that um, be unattached from the result. Let go of the how it's supposed to happen, but just try to work it to the, to your best of your abilities. Okay, fascinating. So then let me take a couple of parts for from that answer and compose a follow-up not a question necessarily, but more of a request. Convince me right now that that app not accomplishing what you thought it was going to was a success. Convince you that it was a success. <laughs> um, it was a success because you took someone with no experience with app development, uh, no experience with business development, you took someone with uh, no experience in um, mobile marketing and they got an app that got close to 10,000 downloads. There's my first stab at that. There you go. That's perfect. So the success is that it proved its functionality. It was something people wanted until somebody came and essentially used their, their bigger platform to advertise. But you, you did do it first. You did do it right. Absolutely. And that's why I said when you were asking me that question, the lessons learned there were, were, were many. Um, and that's why I even struggled to use that as an example. Um, but at the time, I did look at it as a failure because I was like, oh, shoot, now I'm $15,000 in the hole. Never had a ton of money to begin with. Now, you know, doing things on the side to kind of make that up. And so you kind of go through that experience. But of course, as they say, you know, looking back, in hindsight, you know, there were definitely some lessons learned that can help you to, to build you up to the person you want to. What does it say? Knowledge is expensive, right? <laughs> I, I, yeah, 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 for sure. All right. Now we're going to go into a, I, guess, I suppose, a darker turn of sorts. Mm. I like dark. For the fourth question I have for you, mm. I want you to convince current day you that what you're doing was the wrong path okay let me say that. so you want current day me yes to convince me yes that what i'm doing is the wrong path yes wow you really ask a lot of mental gymnastic questions here okay um okay let's see here i'm currently taking the wrong path okay um, that's hard for me to do because I believe so much in what I'm doing. I don't even know where to start with that one. I figured this won't be the hard one. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a hard one only because I, I truly believe that what I'm doing is correct. Now, one could say how I'm doing it, there could be some flaws in that. And I could, we can have a conversation about that. And that's where I'm, I'm always trying to optimize and, and learn because you know, as you probably know, because, you know, you're a pro at podcasting that it's a highly, highly space. doubt that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just saying, like, you know, it's a very competitive space. And to kind of break through that noise and clutter, there there are certain things that one can do better or more efficiently to 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 have success in those areas, whether your metrics are, are downloads or, you know, the amount of people who listen or subscribe if you have a YouTube page or whatever it is. So. 
for me, you know, I guess if I'm trying to answer your question and play along here is, you know, I would say, um, you know, you, you need to tighten up your marketing strategy and really your marketing strategy is not effective enough. Uh, you need to be hitting this particular benchmark of some sort of something like that. And that's, that would be my first stab at that question. Oh, but that's definitely just encouragement from, I guess, a, um, your tough love encouraging yourself versus trying to convince yourself you should probably stop. Yeah. And you know what? And it's hard for me to do that only because I really believe it's what I'm supposed to do. Yes. And here's the paradox. Cause if you believe what you're supposed, what you're doing is the purpose and uh, achieving perspective is the primary road with which you use to get to that purpose, then you should use that same level of perspective to convince yourself out of what you're doing. Mm, mm. So do you understand the tool enough that you can use it yourself versus convincing somebody else to think differently by posing the question? Now, when the question lands on you, mm -hmm. can you do it just as well? No, that's a that's a I've never heard that phrase that way. And um, yeah, I don't have an answer to that, to be honest with you. I, I respect really that. I respect that. It is a particularly hard question because you have to. Like you said, it is a mental gymnastics on an entirely different level because you got where you are through the encouragement and the reinforcement, mm -hmm. which means almost pushing aside the this is bad or this is wrong and turning everything mm -hmm. into some sort of positive outlook, whether it's good or bad, and mm -hmm. learning how it builds the bigger picture to then twist right. that same idea to talk yourself out of it. Right. And I, I, guess, and I guess why I'm not able to do it in a moment is if you think about it, me getting to this point took years of buildup, right? You, you are conditioning yourself. So if you think of uh, someone that's trying to gain weight or gain muscle, that muscle is not gained overnight. They're spending three, six, nine, 12 months in the gym, three, five days a week, changing their diet. And so for me, there hasn't been enough negative conversations to tell me why I should stop doing this specific thing that we're talking about. And I think that's the reason why off the top that I would struggle to deliver the answer within the moment. But you're absolutely right in your premise that if you have the mindset that you've been able to conjure up to say, this is why you should do this. On the flip side, you should also be able to talk yourself out of it, which is, which is correct on principle. But I just haven't had enough conditions to tell me otherwise that I shouldn't be doing this right now. So far, I'm not going to say all the events I've experienced in the last little while affirm what I'm doing, but majority of them affirm what I'm doing. I love that. I love that. That's the, I mean, that's optimism to the max right there. You just, everything composes the bigger picture, right? That's like the painter inside the painting doesn't see that they are the painting and it only exists with the painter. But the painter outside the painting isn't part of the painting. They're just the mm -hmm. painter. And you're making the painting while in the painting. And mm -hmm. you will die as part of that painting. And you will stand by that painting no matter what. But any painter yeah. who's just working on it and then giving it away isn't part of the work. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you're right. I am drinking my own Kool-Aid. Um but that's great because it pushes but I, you. I think, you know, I think, you know, sometimes like certain words in our society, like narcissist, selfish, automatically have a, a negative connotation and, and, and rightfully so in a lot of ways. But I feel like for any person who's mastered their craft, 
or at the top of their craft or is widely, widely recognized for their craft has some of those traits. It's about balance at the end of the day. Like you, like you think of a, a person who's studying for the bar, he has to be selfish at some point. He has to tell everybody, Hey, I can't go out, tell his girlfriend or his partner. Hey, I, I can't do anything for two months. I'm going to lock myself in this room. And I have to study. You're going to have to say no. You're going to have to be selfish in that moment in order to achieve that result. And even on the narcissist standpoint, it's like, think about a, a young kid who's 12 years old and he says, I'm going to make the NBA. What are the odds of making the NBA? I don't know what they are, but they're ridiculously low. And you, you, you kind of have to have this kind of weird, you know, obsession and unbelievable belief that you are going to achieve the odds. Because the thing is, if you don't, and it's the, it's, it's the opposite, then to me, that's just wasted energy, right? If you're going to exert energy, you might as well, it, it might as well affirm what you're trying to accomplish. And this is something I've had to learn along the way because negative thoughts come to me all the time. And sometimes I legitimately say, stop it out loud to myself. Right. And I ask myself, what evidence do you have to support that this is true? Right. And I'm like stumping that negative voice in my head by asking that question. See, I find that fascinating and I completely agree with you. We have these sort of uh, – we've demonized these ideas that being a narcissist, being selfish, being entitled are necessarily bad, like just by default. And that's not the case. Uh, I, I don't believe there is such a thing as objectively bad. I think action and intent mm. tell us. Like you'd be a narcissist because you want to succeed at something and it doesn't hurt anybody. And maybe it makes the, – the biggest narcissist we know of all time that is successful is uh, Steve Jobs. Well known mm. for just my way or the highway and what I'm saying is right mm. and I don't care what you're saying. But he changed the world and he connected the planet. Absolutely. And he had to believe that his one single idea was better than everybody else's idea on the same subject. Mm -hmm. And he got where he was. And we're all – this is only possible. What was happening right yeah. now, this podcast can only exist because he took a narcissistic leap to say everybody else is wrong except me on this. And right. he felt entitled like he could and did deserve it. And he went and right. he got the thing, but he only pushed himself that hard because he already believed he deserved that and that he knew the right answer. So you're completely right on that. And I completely agree. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, to, to add to that, I think, you know, um, a friend of mine, when I had this conversation, he's a, he's a radio personality in the top, in the, in the top 40 market. And, um, he was saying that, you know, one of the things that I think is happening in our society is that parents, are not really paying attention to what their children are naturally good at. And, uh, and what I mean by that is that let's say you, I, I, I come from a Caribbean background. So there's like these traditional professions that your, your parents, you know, want you to steer you towards and, and, and rightfully so because they're stable. But I had recently my aunt say to me, you know, my cousin, now a grown man in his early thirties, he had a passion for film, but to them at the time while he was in college, it was like, oh, film, what are you going to start? What are you going to do? And now he's, uh, he works at a bank, right? He's a bank manager of some sort. And now that they're seeing how the content game with the Netflix and the Hulus and all the other platforms, how that's taken off and all these people are, have gained a lot of success, they're like, maybe we should have kind of encourage them and find other things to support that belief versus 
you know, beat that down. And the reason why I, I bring this up with the Steve Jobs things is when you know that this is what you're supposed to do, when your belief is that high and you're competent in it, you have like supreme confidence, right? I don't know if you've ever listened to Jim Quick. Um, no, I've never heard of him. Jim Quick, he has a book. Uh, why is it slipping? It'll come to me later. But he talks about the competence, confidence. And he's like, the more you do something that you're competent in, the more confident you become. So if you say, I am naturally good in radio and you play in the radio space, your confidence is really high, which then allows you to explore into different areas. And I know in advertising, when I do presentations, a client would rather listen to somebody that is confidently wrong than someone that is shy and accurate. Our society is like that. It's funny. There's something to said about that someone that has that confidence. And I think of Steve Jobs. There are many people that didn't like him along the way, but he got results. He was confident. There are many people who thought his ideas were crazy. They weren't achievable at the time. But his confidence made people work to make them achievable. And so I just feel that all comes from the place of, again, paying attention to organically what you're naturally talented on and figuring out a way how you can master it, figuring out if you can get a mentor towards it, figuring out a way how you can make money off it. 100%. What you just described is actually the road to being a cult leader, which is a person who doesn't necessarily know the answer to any of the things you're claiming to know the answer to, but they say it with such confidence and charisma that anyone who hears that person talk gets sucked into the sort of thought vortex where they're like, well, they clearly right. know. Even if they Reality don't. distortion feel like Steve Jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the craziest thing, right? Because it comes back to the idea that intent and purpose kind of make the difference. If you have malice behind your intentions, yeah, you could start a cult, but you could have that same level of persistence and end up with an iPhone. Mm -hmm. That's just two different right. roads that led to two completely different results. Hundred percent. It's like the word. Think of another word that you know that has a negative con connotation: stubbornness. Stubbornness, when cultivated in the right environment, is persistence. Right? The ability to be like, "No, I'm going to keep doing this. No, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going." Like, it's, and so none to your point, none of these traits are absolutely bad. Again, it's about balance. It's about the word you use: intent. What is your intent behind this? If you're not trying to hurt or harm anybody if you are stubborn in the right environment you could be very successful 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. the fact that either one of us is here is proof that we were stubborn enough to work our way through audio problems it's yeah. the fact that we were willing to uh, understand technology that was completely foreign to us in one way or another um yeah. maybe we have trouble uh talking to complete strangers and in having multiple conversations we improved how we communicate ourselves or mm -hmm. uh the stubbornness of Believing we were right and hearing somebody else's perspective and forcing ourselves through that same stubbornness to be like, no, I said I'm going to shut the hell up and understand what their perspective is and then pull in that same information that then allows us to have the next guest and do the same thing over and over. Those are all just mm -hmm. different ways to wield the same infinite drive of I'm not stopping no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And sometimes stubbornness is stopping as much as it is going, right? A hundred percent. It's it's a it's a delicate balance. Like when to stop or when to quit is is definitely can work against you. And again, there's where that that balance comes in. Like what what voice do you listen to? What what do you not pay attention to? When is enough? Right. And 
you see uh, athletes go through that sometimes where their whole identity is wrapped up in because their whole life they played basketball and they don't know what to do after that. And they want to keep playing basketball. And everyone's like, God, it's, it's, it's time to wrap it up. Career is over, but we still want to keep going. You see that happen a lot with athletes, but you're definitely right. It can, it could, it could, it could go either way. Hundred percent. Now, last question when it comes to mm. these uh, questions I've designed specifically for you, mm. which is also somewhat of a request more than a question, I suppose. Most of these didn't even take the form of a question, as more as uh, as they did like a thought experiment of sorts. So mm. the number five here is. I want you to, for the listeners, convince yourself, so current day you, convince current day you, that what you're doing is right and why, so that you can continue doing it. I like it. What I'm doing is correct because I truly believe in my heart of hearts that the reason why I'm on this planet, the reason why I'm on this planet is to use my words to inspire people into action. Why I believe that to be true is because I feel it in my gut. When I go to sleep, it's what I dream about. When I wake up, it's the first thing on my mind. I'm reminded by the messages from people. I'm reminded when people ask me for opinions and perspective on things. It shows up in evidence when I write things, whether it be a post, whether it be on any respective platform, the DMs or the comments that I get. Seeing how words can impact someone's life is absolutely amazing to me. I love it when I hear someone say, man, what you said, man, uh, it, it made me think this, or it makes me want to look into this, or it makes me look at this thing differently. So many of us um, have been taught to stay away from things that are difficult and challenging. I want to run into those things. I want to face them head on. And I want to have the tough... I want to answer the thought-provoking questions or have thought-provoking conversations like the ones that we're having today so I can have those questions answered for the people that are afraid to, to face them. I believe that everyone's one opportunity away from massive success or also one decision away from the opposite of that. And I want to be the voice that reminds them that as long as you're alive, as long as you're walking and breathing, it's never over. And no matter what you're going through, at least if you're in the Western world, that is, that there's a way. There's a way. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love that a lot. You you are quite the encouraging person. I like your just general outlook on life. There is positivity. And I know we've all gone through hard patches through our lives. And maybe this hasn't always been you. But the version of you that you are now is quite particularly an amazing version. Like there is... Minus the guests, right? Not even your guests, just your personal perspectives when you're talking, when you're communicating your ideas, when you're processing, how you grasp it, like these loose, unrelated things to compose the complete image. It's fascinating how your mind works, that it all gets filtered and comes out with such positivity. You're a guy whose will is difficult to break. And I, I, I value that a lot because there's a lot of people who do get highly discouraged about almost anything. We live in a society of people who are ridden with anxiety and depression for everything that happens at all times. And you sort of fight that off with positivity. Right. And I, I think it you're giving me more credit than I deserve because behind me, which you don't realize, is I also do have a therapist that helps me to walk through, walk through my thoughts that that I don't necessarily understand. And I think... 
you know, um, you know, being an only child, you naturally have this inclination to try and take everything on yourself because you kind of grew up by yourself in this, to a certain extent. And knowing that, um, that is, that is not possible to do all things by yourself and reaching out for help and guidance is something that's helped me tremendously. And I don't like it when people say personally that, you know, be fearless. I don't think that's accurate. And I say that to say is that everyone feels fear, right? That That's inescapable. It's a matter about having the courage to, to deal with that fear. So it's not about feeling. It's like, okay, I feel this thing. It, it, it's making me feel restricted in this moment, but I'm still going to act in despite of me feeling this way. And so um, for me, it's not that I, I say all that to say, it's not that I don't have these negative moments or these down days. It's just that my recovery time is a lot quicker than most. What I just, would say, what I would say is because I, I, I agree with the outlook and disagree with the conclusion, which brings me back to what I said earlier. Do you believe a younger version of you would have done anything different or were they where they had to be? It doesn't matter if you have a therapist. It doesn't matter if everybody in the world is supportive of you. If you're not ready for it, if you're not making the choice, if you're not in the right state of mind, if you're not making the moves, it doesn't matter what anybody tells you. It doesn't matter who's standing behind you. It doesn't matter who's helping. Somebody could drop a million dollars on top of you and you just go and waste it at a strip club instead of invest it into yourself. It, none of that matters. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. You're what matters. You alter your future. You alter your perception of your past. You alter your current moment. You choose how you move through your reality. So I would argue you're giving yourself too little credit. <laughs> you know what? And you're not the first person to say that, but I'll I'll say that as a, as a slight counter. I agree with you, but going back to what I said earlier, that more than two things can be true. And I think that, I think Fair. that, I, I think that, you know, if you're using your example of at the end of the day, it's all up to you. I also did that is true, but I believe we're all interconnected. And so if you are in an environment where there are a lot of, you know, movers and shakers to use that buzzword, a lot of positive people, chances are some of that is going to rub off on you and it's going to change your perspective on how you see X situation or how you see yourself. So I feel like you know, none of us are living on an island, so to speak. And so we're all being influenced, whether we like it or not. And as you know, your subconscious mind is the one actually responsible for making a lot of the decisions that you make. So I do feel like being in a certain environment, a particular environment, definitely can influence you in how you think, which will influence your thoughts, which will influence your habits, which will ultimately dictate your lifestyle. But yes, you have to make the decision, but putting yourself in more favorable environments uh, can definitely um, make those decisions a lot easier or make them more recognizable, I think. I, I agree completely. It, I also strongly agree with the fact that we do not – we're not within ourselves, just islands. But the, my, my problem with that analogy would be that – Versus us being islands with oceans in between each other, we are all, in the most literal sense, living in different homes, being influenced by different factors. So mm. at the end of the mm. day, we are one society 
even as a planet, there might literally be oceans between us, but we're still one people. Mm-hmm. Even if we disagree, which we do for whatever reason, that's the current debate in the world. But we are mm-hmm. still one organism and mm-hmm. all individuals. Any cell could catch cancer at any given moment, and then that cell has to be dealt with or it will infect the rest of the cells. And then nice. that cell is just a cell. And we are islands in the same way we're not. The same choices you do make and are completely up to you to make are only presented with you to make because somebody else brought you the choice in the first place. The choice wouldn't exist without anybody else, but it's still up to you to make the choice at the end of the day. So I guess you're completely right in that two things could be right at the same time. And that's more of the outlook there. And I think that's a a liberating frame of thought, you know, and um, again, we come from a world where it's, you know, if you're a Republican, you think like this, you're a Democrat, you think like that. And I don't think it's it's so black and white. I think life is very nuanced based. And um, I do think uh, more than two things could be true in most cases. Um, yeah, I think not only they could be, but I think in most cases, both arguments are true one way or another. We just lack the perspective to understand how we're arguing the same thing using different words. Correct. That being said, what do you consider to be your greatest achievement, your greatest success? My greatest achievement and greatest success, Mm. that is a good one. I would say I won't point to any single one thing. I'll just point towards my growth and my mindset. And to be specific, what I mean by that is um, when I say that I am going to do something, I love the fact that even if I get off to a slow start, even if there's a lot of obstacles that come in the way, I still achieve that goal. The only factor is the time. And so for me, there isn't a single greatest moment. For me, it's the reward in my operating system. I like how my mind operates now. I I kind of like before I hated this function. Now I kind of thrive in dysfunction. Experiences allow me to kind of know where to go first, if you will. So for me, my greatest achievement right now is, is my mindset. I would say is my greatest achievement right now. I know your, that's your mental malleability. Perfect. But you said it a lot better than me. That, that is, that is my greatest achievement to this day. Um, yeah. I would say that is my greatest achievement to this day. Okay, so your greatest achievement is your mental malleability. Convince me it's your greatest failure. Convince me, convince you that that is my greatest failure. <laughs> um, I don't think I can. I really don't think I can. <laughs> I know I'm supposed to, but um, I really don't think I can in this moment tell you that that is my greatest failure. I don't think I can. Why do you think you struggle with uh, uh, negative perceptions of yourself? It's not that I don't. Um, it's just that uh, why do I struggle with that? Well, it seems all the questions you've struggled with are mainly about <laughs> looking at the same things you value as something negative yeah. versus positive. Yeah, because I don't have a thought, a negative thought about that particular question, right? So it's hard to conjure up something that you never had a negative thought about. Like if you said, oh, uh, what was your biggest failure playing sports? I was like, oh, the fact that I wasn't able to get a, a D2 scholarship. You know, that was very clear to me. Um, but wouldn't but, the success of that mean that it gave you the option to do other things that land do where you are now? 
That is true. I mean, like I said, um, you know, life is very interconnected in that way. So that could have very much changed the path of what I went on. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it, I, I struggle with that, but, but those questions for something that I have such a high belief in, um, that I have an emphatic belief in, I struggle because I don't have any doubt that it's true. And so I don't even know how to argue the other side, right? That would make a bad lawyer. I don't know how to, I don't know how to argue the other side because I wholeheartedly believe that this is the truth until proven otherwise. So it's, it's hard for me to conjure up those opposing thoughts. Interesting. Interesting. And has anybody ever made an effort to convince you that these things that you value so highly are your greatest failures? Has anybody ever come? Usually it, it, that takes the form of ironically family who are the ones who don't never understand what we're doing because they're the ones closest to us. So they are exposed to these versions of us all the time. And they're like, why don't you do something more normal when mm -hmm. it's like, because you're always exposed to it, it doesn't, it's not unique to you. But to somebody else who isn't around me 24-7 and doesn't hear what I do 24-7 and isn't exposed to these parts of me, it's something unique that they don't experience in life. And that's why we usually get the least support from the people closest to us because it's normal to them. Mm. So my, I guess my question in that term would be whether family or not, like who, if at all, has anybody tried to convince you that you're, the things you value as your greatest successes are, in fact, your greatest failures? No, no one has. I think in, in, in regards to what I do now, people believe that this is the right fit, that this is me. I get enough positive feedback or, um, I get enough, uh, reinforcement, positive reinforcement that this is you. And I get that in the form of just engagement, whether that be private messages, conversations, people seem on the street and those talk about a particular episode or something they heard during a particular episode, or they want to engage in these type of conversations with me. And that's how I'm positively reinforced. And just, I've had, to your point, I've had my own growth through, throughout doing the podcast. Um, it's made me a better conversationalist, right? You know, uh, repetition is the mother of all skills. The more you have these type of conversations, the more in my profession, the more I can get in the room and I could talk to someone in a C-suite about anything because this is practice. You asking me these thought-provoking questions is practice for me when I go into a boardroom and a client asks me a very tough question, right? You're, so, um, so to answer your question, no, no one close to me is, uh, at least to my face, I should say, <laughs> hasn't fair. tried to talk, you know, talk to fair, me. Maybe fair. they're wondering. In their head, you know, what is he doing? But again, if I think of my family, there many years ago, people said, hey, you should, you know, you love to argue. There was a part that I, a part in my life that I, I love to argue. And some people say I, to this day, I, I still do, but I've toned that down a lot. And there was a point where people were like, you should look into be possibly coming to lawyer. And I was like, ah, I don't like to read that much or read a lot, I should say. Uh, which is not actually true. Just law is not something of interest to me. But, um, yeah, so to answer your question, uh, no, no one close to me, at least not to my face. If, not if, rather, what are three questions you wish somebody would ask you that they have not? What was that last part? Uh, that they have not. Three questions oh, you wish people not? would ask okay. you that they have not asked yet. Oof. 
three questions that someone would ask me that they haven't. Um, I think, uh, what is, what is, what does Corey, what does Corey Kareem look like at 45? What's your, what's your, what do you see yourself at 45 years old? And that's about nine years away, eight years away. Um, another question would be, um, if you were to die today, would you be satisfied with what you've accomplished thus far? Um, uh, let's see. What would be the third one? The third one would be, would, would you ever go back and change anything that you've done? That'd be my favorite. Interesting. Now, crazy crazy unlikely event that just happened here but i just so happen to have three questions for you <laughs> i know what those questions are gonna be. <laughs> what do you see Corey being at 45 i see Corey being at 45 um someone who has someone who's teaching at the collegiate level some course in maybe presenting or communication of some sort or how to pitch um I see someone who has children, um, and I see someone that's at the top of his profession in terms of the position that he holds. That's Corey at, at 45. Um, the second question was, what was the second one? Second question is, would at, at the end of your life, would you look back and be happy about everything you've accomplished? Yeah. yeah. Oh, if I was to die today, would I be happy with everything else? Yeah. Um, I think I would be. I think I would be satisfied. I think I'd be satisfied. So if my life, God forbid, was to end, you know, now, would I be happy with what I've done so far? And I would. The answer is yes to that question. Now, last one is if I would I, is there anything I would change if, if I could go back in time? Hmm. There is one thing I would change. There is one thing I would change. What would that be? <laughs> I don't know if I want to say it publicly. <laughs> fair, fair. You don't have to feel like it. <laughs> there is one thing I would change. But yeah, that's it. That's fair, it. fair. All right, now let's revisit these questions one at a time. What would make your vision of your future change at 45? What would it take to alter what you already would like to accomplish? And why is that the thing that would change that course? Hmm. Hold on. I'm going to need you to repeat that again. I don't know if I follow. Okay, so your vision of you at 45 is to have a position, is to have a family, yeah. to have yeah. this sort of – what you envision to be you at 45, what would it right. take to – change that trajectory and you to agree to it so to change it in a negative way or for it to actually to not be what it is that you've just stated and you be okay with that being the new what would it take for that okay understood um death (laughs) death before 45 um i find that answer really really interesting to say death because the following question is about death so that's to say that you're happy where you are but not fulfilled yeah, yeah, um, that's a great way to describe it. Very accurate way to describe it. Um, what else would prevent me? Um, I would say maybe there is some life altering experience of some sort that I can't really think of right now that suggests that I'm not ready to be a father and regarding the, the kids, uh, the children part, or maybe there is some life altering event that just prevents me from having a, a child physically. I, I don't know. Maybe I, my sperm count is zero. I, I, I don't know. But um, again, there's that optimism playing in place where yeah, I, I don't 
really see me not doing it unless my desire has changed. That I'm just like, uh I guess let me reword the question then. What could make your desire change? What can make my desire change? I think I think if one of the projects I don't know if that would be it. That's a good question. I'm not I'm not sure what would make my desire change. I think perhaps maybe if my life took a tumultuous turn and I became, you know, negative Corey and I just lost all faith, all hope that I can achieve whatever goal I was thinking of. I think that would I think that would be the only thing Fascinating. So you don't believe there's a a positive way that this desire could change? Like this is fixed. Well, I just don't know what would be what would, not to say that it's fixed because I believe life is very fluid. I just don't know what that thing would be that would change my desire. That's the that's the the thing that I don't. I just don't have the answer to. Like what would that? I'm not saying it's not possible. Fair enough. I just don't know what that thing is. Then let's look. Instead of forward, back. What is a desire you have had in the past that you believe was firm and fixed, and then some new series of events, not negative, but positive, changed that desire? Mm. Okay. I believed, so right now I'm in Toronto, Canada. I believe that I was going to spend the rest of my life living in the U.S. What happened was uh, (laughs) there was a a situation with my working situation that changed that. And that was something that I was on a pretty steady trajectory. And that was changed uh, in a moment's uh, time. Um, and that took my life on a very rough path for the next several years. Um, when you consider this to have been a positive thing to happen in your life. Well, that's a good question. Is it positive? Depends on your perspective. There the you go. Time, <laughs> Is that uh, word that we keep circling? Yeah. I, it, at the time, I definitely didn't do it that way because I was very fixated on a certain path. Um, and I definitely saw my life going out, uh, playing out a certain way. And this was not a part of the plan. Now, I always knew it was a risk. So I wasn't necessarily blindsided or unaware that this could happen. Um but it is something that prevented me from living on a thought that I thought was going to come true. Interesting. Interesting. So I guess your answer was as right as it could be because it was in the past also just a, an unexpected life event that changed your perception and your mind on the entirety of your life that then allowed you to choose to alter your life's trajectory. So you're pretty much just dealing with a random dice roll that you had no control over and that being the factor that then changes it. 100%. And one of the things I've I've done recently um, is I've come to understand that because it's easy for someone like me. So I have a, a very vivid imagination. I can, you know, God forbid, I can visualize my mom's death and that hasn't happened yet. But I've I've kind of lived those experiences through certain dreams that I've had. And so when you have someone like me that has a very vivid and active imagination to, to like a lot of what we said here tonight, it could work for you or against you. And the way that I've kind of found a way to have it work for me is to say to myself, only focus on what you can control and let go of everything else. Now, easier said than done, 100%. 
And like anything else in life, it's something you have to practice. You know, you'll hear me say again, repetition is the mother of all skills. So practicing letting go things that I can't control and only focusing on what I can control to the best of my abilities. So for example, for the company that I'm at now, I remember when I was going through the hiring process, six interviews over six weeks, a month and a half, very competitive. I think over 500 people applied for this position, global company, top 15 tech company. And um, I remember saying, yeah, there's a chance that I, I won't get this position, but I'm going to do everything I can in my power to get it and leave no stone left unturned. That way, if I don't get it, I can have peace with it. Because I know that I did everything within my power. And that way, I can sleep at night. That way, my imagination is not going, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if. No, my imagination is 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 well-fed because it's like, hey, you did everything you can. We can move on with confidence. I love that you that you stated your imagination being not just like a powerful tool you have, but how much you value it. I there's so much positivity in you. Like some people would immediately find a lot of people usually aim at a flaw in order to humble themselves. You don't shy away from being proud of your accomplishments and who you are and what you've done. And you're the right person to have a show in which you bring other people to talk about failures because if there's anything that sticks to their mind as a failure, you're exactly who would reframe it for them because of the mm -hmm. level of positivity you come with. And I value that a lot. You're Forever, you don't understand, your show is just some impactful monster that's out there making a difference in people's thoughts and people's perspective and people's perception. But what you did say earlier was that one of the things that almost regrettable would be if you suddenly were to die, to which then I said, you you feel accomplished but not fulfilled. What's that about? Um, I haven't... There's other things that I want to do. And so I would be content if I was to die. Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, man, there was my one shot. That wouldn't be my attitude. I'd be like, okay, that's fair, you know? Um, so if you're asking me what's that about, what's that about is there are things um, I do want to accomplish before I, I leave this earth. Like, at some point, um, um, taking what I'm doing to the next level where it's on a massive platform. So part of my... I visualize not every morning I should, but I don't. I don't know if you know who Tom Bailu is. He, he runs the Impact Theory podcast. And there's another guy called Anthony O'Neill. He has a podcast. He focuses on finance, but I love their two platforms. They're different, but I love them. And I use them as my proxy of where the next level that I want to. So I really want to start impacting people on a global platform. And one can argue, I have listeners from different countries. So you can say that I already am doing that to a certain extent. But what I'm doing now is so much in the infancy stage that what would make me feel fulfilled and be like, you know what? I'm good. Perfect. Nothing left for me to do on this earth is maximizing that platform, maximizing the reach of that platform. And what that would look like is, you know, being on a, a major digital platform of some sort where I have an actual show, um, doing the same thing that I'm doing now, but just on a, on a, on a much uh, bigger scale and where my platform can replace my income completely. That would be like the top tier for me. And then in addition to that, um, there's some personal kind of family things that I would like to accomplish as well that I, I don't 
won't really get into. But um, yeah, I say all that to say that if I was to, you know, go today, I'd be content. It wouldn't be like, oh, that was a wasted opportunity. Not at all, 100%. I'd be content. But to your point, I wouldn't necessarily be fulfilled. I'd be like, there was another level to go. And I, I was almost there. Tell me three good things about you and three negative things about you. Uh, I am persistent. Uh, I am witty slash funny when need to be in the spur of the moment. And um, good with words. Um, negative things. Uh, I can be highly critical, mostly of myself. Um, I can also be... What's another negative, really negative thing about me? I can be, I can be extremely selfish with my time. Um, and, um, I could tend to be, so another really negative thing I can think of. I could tend to be, um, I'm going to say not prioritizing. I tend to prioritize business stuff before family stuff. Interesting. Why is being critical of yourself a negative trait to you? I think when you're highly critical of yourself, I think it was like one of the other things we were talking about where um, there's a balance. If you're too critical of yourself, it becomes where you're wasting energy. Instead of saying, how can I do this better? You'd be like, oh, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. So that's what I mean when you're saying, you know, being too critical. Um, so that's an example of how it could be a bad thing. And I also said being critical of others as well, where, you know, I can work on the way that I give feedback to other people, which I have. Um, and, and remember to not hold other people to my standard, to hold them to their own standard. That's something I'm always trying to be conscious of as I interact with people. Uh, cause everyone has their own way of doing something. But, um, yeah, that would be my answer to your question. Why do you believe you're too selfish with your time? It's gotten you where you are now, hasn't it? It, it has, but it, you know what? Like I said, everything's interconnected. So there's always, you know, there's a couple of physical formulas that we can't escape and that's just cause and effect. And, you know, yes, it, it's gotten me to where I'm at now, but there was, there's been some impact where there are some people in my life that feel like um, they've been isolated or that they come second or third or um, it has damaged um, some relationships in the past. Uh, so there is a price uh, to be paid for, for that kind of level of focus and that type of level of sacrifice. Um, so learning how to have a, a better balance to that, whether that's me sleeping a lot less or me actually physically carving out time, saying this time is only for them, I think is, is how one goes about solving uh, that uh, that flaw, if you will. Why do you believe you prioritize work over family? I grew up broke. <laughs> and so, you know, I, in, a, in, a, I, I, in a bad way, I still subconsciously subscribe to the don't sleep mentality, you know, the no days off mentality grind 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 when we know that's not that's not healthy and um or if while you're sleeping somebody else is working that that kind of rhetoric subconsciously i still fall victim to subconsciously i still subscribe to it because it's not all the way bad and it's not all the way good it's about yes you want to have uh 
be hungry. You want to have a strong work ethic. You do want to outwork, you know, your opponents, if I can use that word to a certain extent, but there needs to be a, there needs to be a, a balance to that because again, um, I often, I don't know about you. I often draw inspiration, creativity from things that have nothing to do with what I'm doing in the moment. So we're talking right now in a podcast and I, you know, I'll be out with some friends and someone says something. And I was like, that's what my next topic is going to be about. You know, my mind works like that. Yeah. I work the same way. So, uh, and so it's, 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 so for me, I, I say this to my friends a lot, you know, before we, we become guilty of thinking too linear. Sometimes I have to go do a, B, C, D, not knowing that, you know, as creators, as creatives, our influences come from a variety of different areas. So by me saying I need to do these set of structured things only, I think I'm also robbing myself of getting inspiration from these other areas that have nothing to do with, let's say, the podcast or, or what have you. So um, I think it's it's necessary to make time, you know, for me, it was something last summer it was simple as doing yoga. I never did yoga before and did it. And how I felt, you know, the way that I was able to become more flexible and how I felt and, and that was able to trigger, you know, certain thoughts and allow me to feel better. And those little things, I think, is what happens when you allow yourself not to become so rigid in your process and uh, achieving your goals. All right. You're meeting a brand new person. This person has no idea who you are, what you do, where you come from. They have no idea what your background is. They're just some unique individual. The only uh, connecting factor they have to you is that they speak English as well. They don't know any reference you can use. They're not connected to social media. They just know English perfectly. Somehow they've escaped the social sphere. Summarize yourself and explain who you are to that person. Um, I'm a creative. Um, I am persistent. Uh, I am, I have a way with words. Um, I am, um, a good listener. I am someone, um, who is loyal. I am, uh, someone who is always evolving and seeking to become their greater self and their best self. So I'm always learning. I'm a student. Um, I am someone that believes that everyone is here for a reason. It's just a matter of them figuring out what that reason is. I am an optimist, but I do have a, a realist viewpoint as well. I'm not blindfully optimistic. I'm well aware of the realities and what's on the other side. Um, I just make a decision to, to believe in the positive. I value that a lot. I respect that. What one word describes you best? Um, I would say, persistence persistence yes based on this conversation i'd agree mm -hmm. what one word would you never want to be described with inauthentic inauthentic powerful mm -hmm. define inauthenticity uh someone who pretends to be something they're not or preach follow what i say not what i do that's the way i would describe it someone okay. who's just doing it because it's in right now it's trending right now but it's not who they actually are or they don't actually live their life that way. Um, we all have inauthentic moments, um, but um, I would never want to be described that way. 
That's fair. You are a person who strives to be the most honest version of themselves, regardless of circumstance. I respect mm-hmm. that. There is a lot of deception in the world. There's a lot of malintent in the world. There is the other side of selfishness that we were talking about before, where it's with bad intention, and you have the good version of it, and you have a, a pretty strong drive to like be the best version of yourself, and that is impressive. You don't harm people on the way to improve you. You incorporate people. You keep uh, re-emphasizing that you don't exist in an island in many different words. You believe you are included as part of the bigger picture, and a lot of us don't have that. That is to say that you feel the faults of others you could lighten, and that the faults of others you could help with, and that the improvements of others you can cheer them on and boost them on. There's so much positivity surrounding all your thoughts and your language and your self-perception, your perception of others. You're a very hopeful person. And you'll be completely cognitively aware of the negativity in the world and somehow cope through it. I can't, I couldn't fathom the struggles you've had to go through in life in order to have crafted such a stubborn perspective of goodness. I like that. I might, I might use it as a tagline, my friend. Um, yeah, i I think I believe you can learn from everybody. There's, uh, the good and the bad. From a bad person, you learn not what to do. From a good person, you learn what to do. Um, so I, I credit my mindset that's always evolved me as just being a continued student to life, to other people, um, and really just taking a step back. And this, again, this is something I work on. A lot of times I jump the gun on things like I had someone give me feedback the other day and I'm starting to practice this thing now where I don't respond right away. If it triggers me, I kind of sit on it for a little bit. You know, Drake talked about this. He had it on a three-day rule. If he's trending and it's negative, instead of responding, he'll just, his mom talking about the three-day rule. I apply something very similar to that where, you know, if I get a triggering email from a client, wait a couple hours. Maybe I write something out, but I don't hit send. It stays in the draft. Someone says something to me that I don't necessarily agree with. I'll sit on it and really try to come from a place of understanding it before responding. And I find in most cases, my answers are almost completely different. Um, it's funny how time can shift your perspective, giving something enough time. Um, so yeah, there's, there's always growth for me. Um, you know, I'm, um, perfectly imperfect and I accept that. And, um, I just, I believe that I can learn from everybody. I'm, I believe my only goal or my only measurement is, is making sure I'm the best version of me. I love that. You live to abide by your own standards and sort of meet your own, your own bars. I respect that highly. So you've pretty much survived the gauntlet, man. <laughs> you, you made the two hours without exploding or anything. Yeah. Yeah. This was, this was a tough one. I'm not going to lie. These, these questions were like, uh, it, it, some mental gymnastics I had to do tonight for sure. And I appreciate you letting me crawl around inside your head. I know it's not the most comfortable sometimes. I do uh, often pull on the strings that are like, oh, crap, I never saw that one coming. Yeah. And sometimes, uh, you know, skin crawling type of questions of like, well, I didn't think of that perception of myself. So I I fully yeah. understand and I, I respect you for letting me kind of wander your mind. Um, Let everybody know where they could find Everything you're doing, any projects you got going on, everything in your life, anything you want to share, all the plugs, all the everything. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So first things first, you can, I want you guys to check out the podcast, Three Questions by Corey Kareem. You can simply find it on, you know, Apple Podcast or on Spotify by searching my name, Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, Kareem, K-A-R-E-E-M. So that's the first thing. Uh, if you want to follow me on social, you can follow me on Instagram at, at Corey Kareem. Again, that's C-O-R-E-Y, K-A-R-E-E-M. And what I'm working on right now is I'm working on an article on how to conquer failure, which is going to come out in the new year. That's beautiful, man. I can't wait for that. As soon as you get that, let me know. I'll link it to this very episode. I, I, again, I appreciate you letting me crawl around your mind. I, I make a habit to personally reach out to the people I want on the show. And mm-hmm. I, I don't let anybody on the show. It's mm-hmm. very specifically, I have to value what you do. I have to mm-hmm. find your way of thinking interesting because of what I do on this show. If you were just mm-hmm. going to give me bland, boring answers, there would be no point because I'm trying to, it's not even really about the answer to the question as much as it is the road you took to get there. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, I'm here to see your thought process, see how you think, and I appreciate you willing to come here and share that, not just with me, but with the listeners who are going to be attentive to what it is that you're going through in the middle of trying to answer a question. I know it gets uncomfortable mm-hmm. sometimes, but that's part of the human experience. I know you've dealt with it discomfort is. in the past. so Absolutely. I appreciate highly you being here and never stop doing what you're doing, regardless of which shape that takes. You definitely are. You believe you are good with words, and I agree you are good with words. And conversation is what you're here to do. You're, and not just conversation, but the perspective you offer with the words you have and the way you phrase the words you've selected and the optimism with which you phrase the selected words and the perspective with which you phrase the selected words that you then propose. It's all one masterfully crafted. You're a sculptor and your show is your work of art. And you craft it with your guest. And it always takes a look that it's neither something you made yourself or something they could have made alone, but the creation from the thoughts of both of you coming together to create this masterpiece that exists in a vacuum that's unreplicatable. And that is the true offer you give to the world. You are a teacher, my friend. Thank you. And I appreciate those kind words. And, you know, I, I do like to say with my guests, we're going to give birth to a beautiful conversation. That's that's the way I like to introduce that. But no, thank you for having me on your platform. I appreciate the homework and the insights you do beforehand. It's always, you can always tell when someone's done their homework and has a genuine interest and appetite into what you're doing. And yeah, man. Um, thank you again for having me on your platform. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, definitely. And uh, I'm going to continue to dive down that rabbit hole, finish your whole entire <laughs> show, and just keep up with it in the future. I'm definitely going to, after I've discovered how else to stump you, I would like you to come back at some point in the <laughs> no, future. So I, can... I, I, I appreciate that because in these moments, you know, the old Corey would, would hate to be stumped. But like I said, um, you learn the most when you challenge. That's where you grow the most. So I, I'm all for the, the thought-provoking conversations and a good stumping, you know, every now and again is is not so bad. Everyone has their day and has their moments, but this is this is how you grow. It's not right. It's totally the challenge is how we grow, 100%. Overcoming something is the most fulfilling feeling we could mm-hmm. come across. If it was easy, it wouldn't be worth anything, right? 1,000%. 
I appreciate you a lot, man. Thank you for being here. All right. Take care. What do you think? That was a great episode. Fascinating, though. Yeah. Great guest. Dude is definitely an intellectual. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome person. The questions you asked, though. Tough. But he did pretty great. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I know I'm not an easy person to deal with. That's for sure. I I appreciate highly him letting me go into... Now, again, here's the thing with Corey versus other guests we have. Corey is not crazy. We have quite the eccentric bunch come through here. Yes. He's maybe the most normal. Yeah, he's the most grounded, level-headed person that we have on, we've had ever, arguably, ever. <laughs> on this show. So I can understand that I might be a a bit of a different thing that he's not used to. Because he also just brings in people who are going through the human experience. And we... We live in a weird bubble where we're almost immune to the human experience because of the freedoms we have just been lucky enough to be faced with and the people we surround ourselves also just have been people who instinctively have repelled from the norm the norm, and avoided the human experience that plagues most other people. Mm-hmm. We're just surrounded by unique characters that without exception don't fall in those lines and we don't face the same struggles in the same way that other people do. Oftentimes we have the liberties to aim and do whatever we want, however we want. Yeah. So to have mm-hmm. somebody who comes from the real world yes. and talks to people from the real world be so willing to entertain the mad ramblings of a crazy person like myself. I appreciate him a lot. It's a very unique conversation. Yes. Um, I'm sure there was annoyance in his mind, if not curiosity. Mm. Those are, I, at this Maybe point, those are the only learned two things. something. You guys said from his podcast, the guests learned something and the listeners learned something. Maybe he also, in our podcast. Well, uh, as you know, that's usually my goal, right? I do want to crawl inside somebody's head and pick apart anything and everything that's in there and ask them things and hear what they say and then pick apart anything and everything they say. But most of the time, I'm trying to at least offer a a single piece. If I can get somebody to be like, huh, I didn't think about that that way before, which is usually what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get to the conclusion. I would argue that the time I had the hardest was probably with Michael Horn. The hardest of what? To try to get a bit of information to him that he didn't already have, because that man is an encyclopedia. Oh, yeah. But I still managed it when I find the aha moment happened. What was the aha? When he was talking, we were talking about alien life and how it relates to current day life and whether or not we are even related to these a- humanoid aliens, right? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't make sense unless we're sharing some sort of um, Prometheus seeding moment. Wasn't he the one that gave us the aha in that moment? Well, no, that's exactly my point. I, I asked this question and he already, he didn't know the answer to it. Oh, okay. But sitting back and like, well, let me think about this. I've never heard yeah. this before. He did piece together. Yeah, well, everybody went, aha. Because I was like, here you go. And he's like, oh, I never thought about that before. And he still had an answer for it. Yes. So it was like, whoa, holy shit. Okay. 
But that was probably the time I struggled the most to at least find one thing. And I literally only found one thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm always trying to at least incite some form of uh, knowledge and intellect in the guests as well as take something. That's what I believe a conversation is. It's a give and take, right? If we yes. both leave how we entered. Everyone the... leaves with something. Yeah, that should be the goal. Yeah. If we both leave how we came in, then we wasted our time. Yeah. We small talked in big words. Like, what yes. the fuck? Who the hell wants that? Yeah. This is big talk. It's big talk. Everyone gets something. Everyone gets something. Look if under we don't your all... share. Yeah. You know, Oprah that shit. <laughs> a thought for you, a thought for you, a thought for everybody. Yes. So, yeah, I, I highly appreciate Kareem for being here. It yes. was great. So, go listen to his podcast now that you're done with our show. Or yes. after the credits, at least. Yeah, make it to the end. It's always, it's always the best. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. He's a fascinating guy. I definitely, I like what he does. And I think we need more people like him. Just offering perspective. It doesn't have to be positive, which I do appreciate that he does have a positive outlook. I usually do the opposite. I'm just like, here, what was the fucked side about what you're thinking about? But, um, I mean, I guess not really. It depends. If you come in negative, I come in positive. If you come in positive, I come in negative. Yes, I'm we've s- had some negative guests too. Yeah, like I'm always on the opposite side of the fence. I'm basically a contrarian mm-hmm. but not even for being a contrarian's sake but for the sake of perspective i'm not just disagreeing okay. to disagree there's always a purpose to it yeah anyways uh definitely you guys should check out uh uh cory's show i keep alternating because i like both cory and kareem yes and like kareem is his last name it's cory kareem but like kareem is a cool name as a name, it's as a just, name, it's pretty cool. Like it makes me want to treat him kind of like um, the Japanese do that they are very formal and address uh, people who they're not necessarily close with. Yeah. By their last name. You want to just it's like call Kareem. Him Kareem. <laughs> Kareem is a cool name. It's a really cool name. You got a cool name, Corey. But uh, yeah, so you guys can find uh, three questions by Corey Kareem on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can find uh, Corey on Instagram at Corey Kareem and just uh. I'm, I'm sure that podcast is everywhere. Type the name wherever the hell you get you get your stuff. It doesn't matter. Yes. And if it's not there, message them and tell them to put it there. This, you got a Google. You got Google. The power of Google is overpowered. Use yes. it. Use, Use it. it. As for us, you guys can find this episode, which I'm sure you're listening to, unless you're passively walking by somebody. I love mentioning for them to look for this episode even though they're already listening to it i don't know why i mean maybe maybe they have a friend who yeah listens on a different platform mm. so they know okay next time i can go to that one yeah like okay. i'm using google podcast but bobby mcfeely over there only uses apple and then jimmy mccruger yeah. is on spotify so you know you know i can tell them like yo it's over there he said it yes so you don't have like to a- transfer uh, hunt like i'm listening to apple and then you say okay if you want to listen to this podcast listening to it on spotify and then i'm gonna go to spotify right now and listen to the same episode on spotify until you tell me it's totally possible <laughs> look look it's totally possible that we can have separate feeds that are only put specifically on these platforms so anytime you're on spotify it'll mention every platform except spotify and then <laughs> that would be so awesome that'd be great but we'd have to just make a little custom for each one yeah that's too much yeah it's a pain in the ass and then upload them all the it's way. a fun idea though <laughs> uh, but uh yeah you can find this and all the other episodes at the official website great thoughts.info or on apple podcast spotify and anywhere you get your podcast and you can reach us 
us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Just Combo Pod. Yes, and remember to subscribe and rate and review the show. And let someone who might like this show know about it. Yes, word of mouth is overpowered. And if you want somebody to listen to a madman pick a totally sane person's mind, this is the episode to do that with. And this has been the Just Conversation Podcast. Take nothing personal, and thanks for listening. Bye. Then the question is, is an angel equal to a demigod? Are angels demigods, except we don't call them that? I don't know, because do they have powers? I don't know. Do demigods have powers? They do, right? Yeah. I don't know about angels. Angels got powers. There's an angel for mad different shit. Like what? I don't remember. Like there's an angel of war. Oh, there is an angel for war. Angel of love. Angel of peace. There's angels for purposes. But do they... How does that relate to people? The angels? Like, do they cause war? Do they cause love? Like, I have no idea how... Is that a title for... Just like, it has nothing to do with anything? I don't know. It's very interesting. Like, Or is it just relating to them? Like, well, I don't know. <laughs> Let's think of Greek gods. Do the gods that have these abilities line up with their name like is the god of war a god who's waging war like not in like the god of war games where he's like always waging war or whatever but like in the greek mythology is he just the god of war and wars happen but he's not really involved or is he like waging war on who or why but you know is he waging war is the goddess of love out there like fucking everybody or is she for making people fall in love I think it's just you ask for them for help in those things. Or maybe not. Maybe not. There's a different type of thing that we're not considering. Maybe their existence is the embodiment of a type of energy. An energy? Yes. So by creating the god of war, Ares, he's the embodiment. He doesn't have to wage war. His existence allows wars to happen. Okay. And so the goddess of love allows love to be a thing that exists. Oh. And in the case of angels, the same would apply. The angel of war isn't out there. And I think it was Michael. I'm not entirely sure. It's either Michael or Raphael. He's not out there causing war. He's not out there causing war. war. Exactly. But his existence allows war to happen. Why does God have an angel like that? That's an interesting question. That's, if that's really what's if he's the cause of it, because did God make an angel so that there would be war? What was uh, Lucifer made for? You have any idea? He was the general. General. He's the leader. He is the ringleader. The Just Conversation podcast is hosted by Christina Colazzo and Jack Thomas. Produced by Lynn Taylor and published by GreatThoughts.info. Art by Zero Lupo. And logo by Seth McAllister. With social media managed by Amber Black.